And welcome back to Chip Sock Investor. Uh, sharing is caring and Nick has got me sick now. So we are kind of a mess here at Chip Stock Investor. We feel a little like Chris Traeger in Parks and Rec. The microchip has been compromised. <laughs> Nick, how are you feeling? Apparently, both of our bodies are a microchip and a speck of sand has compromised it. Now, yeah, we're going to take a brief detour from chip stocks today, though. So let's dig into topic. Is the bear market really over? And if so, what's the new bull market? Let's start with defining what a bear market is. A bear market is a 20% or more decline from highs. That's opposite from a bull market, where a bull market is 20% or more increase from lows. So is the bear market over and a new bull market beginning? From a strict definition standpoint, it would seem that it is. But there's some nuance here. And as you know as well, we love nuance at Chipstock Investor. Right. Uh, so, Casey, we've been talking about the end of the bear market for most of the year. And in, indeed, the bear market for chip stocks overall is over. Uh, we've already showed charts with you in past videos for iShare Semiconductor ETF, uh, the Vanek Semiconductor ETF, both up some 40% year to date. So new bull market. But, you know, as far as this nuance goes, the strict definition that oftentimes it gets quoted in media outlets is really pretty useless if you're a long-term investor or looking to be a long-term investor, looking to deploy cash somewhere for the indefinite future. So let's talk about that nuance, Casey. A bear market happens basically when new money stops flowing to or starts getting pulled out of a certain industry or a certain, let's maybe even call it more broadly, a certain trend, a growth trend. Then there's usually a pause due to fear and uncertainty and that cash maybe sits on the sideline. And then the next bull market starts when that money starts to get redeployed in a new direction. So 2021, we'll say, was the end of an era. It was the end of the 2010s cloud era, but more specifically, let's maybe think of this more of like the flow of money towards cookie cutter subscription software, economic growth in the 2010s in the wake of the great financial crisis of 08, 09. Economic growth was very low. Interest rates were near zero. So many businesses that were struggling in this environment funneled money towards these types of companies that provide this you know, cheap software that they could purchase on a subscription and help them control their cost as they deployed it and looked for ways to increase profit margins. And so investor money funneled that direction too. It followed the capital. But inflation and higher interest rates changed that a couple of years ago. Cookie cutter subscription software is no longer going to cut it. The world needs new infrastructure and putting off all of those investments in that infrastructure for over a decade could no longer continue. So supply chain disruptions, the primary cause of inflation for most economic studies really kind of laid this bare. Mobile computing, smartphones, and the infrastructure that made all of that possible, such as Verizon and AT&T, for example, has also run its course. And that has begun to shift gears into autos and on-device AI in general. That's also helped contribute to the bear market and software as a service losing steam. And then I maybe one third pillar to last decade's bull market, e-commerce 
had its first real growing pain since basically the dot-com era when investors were betting that the internet would take over about 10 to 20 years too soon. So e-commerce boomed during the pandemic and then flatlined now for a couple of years in favor of this return to in-person experience. But e-commerce, it's not dead. Maybe starting to heat back up again. It does need more AI and maybe let's just say more intelligent, uh, more sophisticated solutions than the simple marketplace model of the last decade. So that's another trend that came to an end or maybe hit pause that caused the bear market here over the last couple of years. Also rampant crypto fraud imploding the tiny bit of trust that we all had established in one of the best ideas so far this century. But that's another topic as well. Before continuing, let me remind you to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if this video is helpful as you do your own investment research and increase your knowledge of business and technology. We really appreciate the support as subscribing to the channel helps us continue putting out content like this. It sure is. Okay, so we're going to try and not get off in the weeds. Long story short, that's what causes a bear market and it's coming to an end. Uh, this is why semiconductors, chips, became our focus, why we launched this channel over a year ago. Chips are in the building blocks of a new type of infrastructure, laying the groundwork for the next bull market. And chip development and manufacturing, the computing equipment built by them, it's ludicrously expensive. It favors make caps giant organizations that can invest in and purchase this stuff. So the bear market has come to an end for the chip industry and also for these mega cap tech stocks. What's maybe, you know, call them tech stocks, even though they're much more than that. Uh, and you can see that show up in the S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 indices this year, which are very, very top heavy companies like Microsoft and Amazon and so on. So yes, even in spite of the recent pullback since August, the bear market has indeed come to an end for many companies, but not all. So Casey, I think maybe just point this out here because there is still a great deal of pain out there in the market. Bear market is still very much alive, especially for mid cap and small cap stocks. And it's not going to end until some of the benefits of those newly deployed chips, that newly deployed infrastructure starts to trickle down and that investor money moves off the sidelines again, basically as fear eases. And you can see this in some other lesser followed stock market indices like the S&P 400, a mid cap index. Many of the stocks in there we actually consider to be, you know, in our terminology, a small cap. And you know, considering how big the internet is as a backdrop, many of these mid cap stocks are actually very small in the grand scheme of things. And then the Russell 2000 index, a small cap index, which is actually there's a bunch of what we would consider micro cap businesses in there again, because of how big this internet age is. So you can see those two charts there, the Russell 2000 still, you know, about 25% plus down from its highs in 2021, S and P 400 down a lot of pain out there. Still the bear market hasn't come to an end for everyone. Now, in light of this, we get a lot of questions about our full portfolio and we're still thinking about how we want to do this. But for now, here are our mega cap picks that make up our core businesses, helping to lay the foundation for the next bull market along with chip stocks that we would buy again, not necessarily via a DCA or buy in pieces plan, 
like most of the chip stocks we cover here. We're also excluding the chip stock core and non-tech that make up our core portfolio that we think are the best ultra-long buys if we were starting from scratch right now. So we're going to keep it super simple here. Casey, Amazon and Google, two stocks that make up our core, and then a third one, Microsoft, which we don't own, but should be considered, we think, for a core portfolio. So Casey, we've shown multiple iterations of this chart over the last couple of quarters. You can see the top three cloud infrastructure providers obviously have slowed down from their pandemic peak, but still very much alive and well, all three growing in the double digit range and looking like they could start to accelerate again as we get closer to 2024, uh, which is incredible considering the annualized revenue of these businesses. If you remove them from the rest of the operation, so like Amazon, AWS, 92 billion annualized run rate business uh, makes up the vast majority of Amazon's operating profit margins. Microsoft Azure, which is probably more like over 60 billion, um, but we cite the 55 billion that was quoted last quarter by Microsoft management during their earnings call. Uh, Google Cloud at a nearly 34 billion annualized run rate. The ability for these companies to continue to grow and scoop up spending infrastructure spending from their customers, from really from the economy overall is incredible. And then their ability to turn that into higher profit margins going forward. We still think this is going to be the groundwork for the economy for the next decade. And we'll say Amazon AWS in particular, 92 billion annualized run rate, 30% operating profit margin in Q3 2023. That's Incredible. Nick, tell me about the valuation for these three mega cap companies, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google looking towards next year. But let's just use what we think is the most basic valuation metric, market cap to free cash flow. We would prefer all investors to know what their company's market cap is before the stock price. Much more meaningful number. And then dividing that by free cash flow, either trailing 12 month free cash flow, but for here, What's important in valuing these businesses is the expected free cash flow next year. So based off of some consensus Wall Street analyst expectations, it looks like Amazon trades for something like 25 to 30 times next year's expected free cash flow. Microsoft, maybe 35 to 40 times free cash flow. That figure seems maybe a little bit on the high side for Microsoft. And then Google, 18 to 23 times next year's expected free cash flow. So of these three, Amazon and Google are the two that we own and are the two that we would continue adding to right now. Microsoft, we think will still continue to be a fantastic long-term investment going forward, but not the value of these three stocks at the moment. Let me tell you some of our other large company core businesses that are in our portfolio. For digital ads, we have Meta. For digital payments, we have Visa and MasterCard as our picks. And then for big diversified software, we have Salesforce. It's important to note that many of these stocks became part of our core portfolio over time. We just kept buying over the course of many years whenever we thought a deal presented itself. They earned the right to be in our core investment portfolio via steady growth and fit. 
Our typical small and mid caps we buy in small amounts and have a minimum of 25 of them. And you can see our two videos on our investment process and how we invest in small stocks. We promised a short update heading into the weekend. So we're going to call it right here, folks. But in summary, it's been a nasty downturn for the market the last couple of months. And I know many of you are scratching your head wondering what in the world is happening to your smaller and mid cap and even some of your smaller large cap stocks during earnings season. We hope this helps explain why that is taking place. It's ugly out there. There's still a lot of fear and uncertainty and a lot of money still has yet to be deployed into these new foundations for the next bull market. Keep it up, keep pushing forward and find places where you can feel optimistic about the future when you deploy your cash. We think some of these big mega cap stocks are winning for this reason, because of the infrastructure, the need for next-gen infrastructure, and will continue to do very well over the course of the next decade. That's a wrap from us here from Chipstock Investor. We have some earnings updates for you early next week. We'll be talking about Qualcomm versus Apple. We also want to talk about another Fortinet uh, earnings disaster. Like this company is not getting a fair shake and highly misunderstood. So we'll break that down for you and lots more. It's earnings season. So stay tuned, folks. Hope you all have a good weekend. Take care.